This is a Saddleback Church podcast. We're in the middle of a message series that's called Worthy of It All, and we're talking about worship. We're talking about how God designed us to worship Him, and we worship Him with every aspect of our life. Last week, I talked about how surrender is a part of worship, that God wants all of what we are, our whole heart, our whole mind, and we surrender to Him. Now, today, we're going to talk about worshiping God with our singing, and this is perhaps what we often think of the most when it comes to worship as we think of worshiping through song or through singing. So we're gonna do that together today. But I wanna start uh, actually telling you something in the Wood household that's really significant. Something happened this weekend that's never happened before in our entire life with our two sons. They played on the same sports team on the same day, and they had a football game, a play of football game on Friday night. You can see a picture of the two of them here, and look at just how much taller they are. They tower over mom and dad, and they won their game. So we can celebrate that. A lot of fun. And uh, actually, actually going into the game, I was like, I, I, I promised myself I'm not going to lose my voice today. I need to, need to bring a message this weekend at church. I'm not going to lose my voice. I started out screaming on the front end, but I felt this internal pull. It might have been the Holy Spirit just kind of pulling me back saying, don't do it, don't do it. But then at the end of the game, did kind of a strategic screaming, and I held it for the last two minutes, and I turned it on at the last two minutes. Screamed at the top of my lungs for them, and they won the game. So I just, I'd like to take a little bit of credit for that last minute field goal, and uh, I was a part of the victory. Now, I also want you to see a picture of my daughter, Karis, this last week. She turned 10 years old, and we went on a date to Maggiano's, our favorite Italian restaurant. And uh, I tell you that because she's the one family member that wants you to know that it's her birthday. So if you see her, make sure to tell her happy birthday. She's the, she's the kind of kid that, like, she'd go to Disney with the pin, like, all year long, sing me happy birthday. Anybody else like that? Like, it's my birthday every day. Now, one of the things I love about Karis, my daughter, is she loves to sing worship songs. So we love to get in the car, and oftentimes we'll turn it full volume. But I had an experience that helped me understand my daughter and really all three of my kids, and probably a lot of you who are students and who are maybe in your teenage years, you won't understand what those of us who've been around a little bit longer than you might understand about music. Now, uh, in the experience I had with my daughter, we were at a stoplight and she wanted a song and she wanted it now. Like, Dad, I want this song. And I'm, I'm like shuffling through my phone. I'm, yeah, yes, yes, I wanna make you happy, okay. Um, and, and I'm trying to find the song and I'm like, you know, this song about Jesus, you might get to sing another song about Jesus if I don't stop, because this car might get in an accident, and you'll get to sing a lot of songs in heaven to him. But it showed to me, it showed me that she, under, she, she wanted a song immediately. She had grown up her entire life never realizing that there was a moment for many of us where we had to do songs differently. Now, I'll describe it like this. My grandma used to work at a Coney Island in Michigan, and there would be these hot dogs they'd serve. You'd go in, you'd get your hot dog, you'd sit down, and then at the end of this long, skinny building, there was a jukebox. You guys remember jukeboxes? So back in the day, there used to be these things called coins. And you would take a coin, 
and you would go down and you would put a coin in the jukebox and you would play your favorite song. And you'd have to wait to go to the play at the jukebox to get your favorite song or order an album. It was different back then. Now what you can do is you can create a playlist. And I have all different types of playlists on my phone. I have a working out playlist. I have a date night playlist. I have worship song playlist. There are all these different types of playlists and it's different now, but there's something that is very, uh, very similar to when I was in high school. And I remember driving to school with my dad, and my dad did not want to listen to my music. And some of you, you're in that tension, students and parents, like whose music do we listen to when we're in the car? And I actually, actually don't feel very much empathy for my kids, like wanting to listen to their music. I don't like their music. They don't like my music, and so there's this tension. Anybody else have that tension in the car, parents? All the parents with teenagers. And, and that tension exists, this has existed for years because we all sing and we have different types of songs that we sing, but it's important for us to recognize that for every single human being, when it comes to our design of how God created us, God made us to sing. God made humanity to sing. We were made to sing. And that vocal box, that vo those vocal cords that God put inside of you, they're there by God by design. And there was a moment when people were speaking and then they learned that there's a vocal box that can be used to sing songs. Those songs that we sing, God designed us to sing. And song comes out of every season of life. It comes out of every culture even for our deaf community here at Saddleback, which we deeply care about and love, there is an experience with song. I was communicating this week and our team, I just like kind of reached out to say, what, what is it like for the deaf community when it comes to worship and singing through songs? And one of our friends said, you know, I can feel the music when I'm in the room. When someone is interpreting and they're using their hands with passion, I can feel the song. I can experience it. There's a movie that came out a couple of years ago called CODA, and it stands for Children of Deaf Adults. And in the movie, there's this deaf family with one family member that sings. And all throughout the movie, you see these scenes of the parents sitting in the room, and they're not able to experience full on what is happening. But at the end of the movie, the father who's deaf comes to the daughter who's singing, and he places his hands on her vocal cords, and he just starts to weep. Now that experience with singing, maybe you've had these moments where you've been moved by a song and you've been changed by music. You were made by God to sing. And the primary purpose of your vocal cords is to worship your creator. It's all throughout the Bible. There are actually 139 verses on singing. I could read them all to you, but it would take a really long period of time. So let me read a couple of them. Psalm 89.1 says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. And with my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known throughout all generations. Psalm 104:33 says this, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Psalm 149 says, sing to the Lord a new song. Now all throughout scripture you see singing happening. Jesus sang, Paul the apostle sang, the early followers of Jesus, the disciples sang, Moses sang, King David in the Old Testament, and King Solomon sang, Jonah sang, and the Bible even says that our Heavenly Father sings over us with love. So singing is a part of what God has designed us for. 
But I want you to hear today that there is power in the songs that you choose to sing. Songs shape culture. Songs change the way that we see our lives. Songs get into our minds and inside of our hearts, and there's power in the playlist, both metaphorically and actually what we listen to. There's power in your playlist, and I wanna talk about that today. I wanna look at scripture to discover the power of the songs that we sing. In Acts chapter 16, I want us to look at a story. The apostle Paul and Silas are traveling on a missionary journey. So they're going from town to town and they're teaching people about Jesus. So Paul does this first missionary journey and starts all these churches and great wonderful things happen and then he goes on a second missionary journey and as he's on a second missionary journey, there's a door that gets closed, he thinks he's supposed to go somewhere, he doesn't go there and now Paul is going from town to town and it's really not going as well as he wants it to and he gets to one particular town and something happens that is a bit surprising as you're reading the Bible. In Acts 16, it says in verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, I want you to think about this story for just a moment. If you've read it before, you know the outcome. So you know that at the end, they get out of prison. But Paul and Silas don't know. They don't know what's gonna happen at the end of the story. So there they are, and for many of the people in the early church, they, they actually faced death because of their obedience to God. Paul knew of people that had had their heads lopped off because of their faith in Jesus, and he doesn't know how this story is going to end. And perhaps there are some of you that you're in the middle of a story right now that you don't know how it's gonna end. You don't know how it's gonna end with your children. You don't know how it's gonna end with your marriage. You don't know how it's gonna end with your cancer. You don't know how it's gonna end with your anxiety and depression. And sometimes you're in the middle of the story and when you're in the middle of the story, that's when it's really important to know the significance and the power of your singing. Paul is in prison with Silas, and the Bible says about midnight. Now, midnight is significant because it's the middle of the night. It's the darkest moment. It's the moment that nobody wants to be in. It's the moment that is furthest from sun on the end of the day and furthest from sun on the beginning of the day, and you're stuck in the middle of the darkness, and Paul is there in a prison cell not knowing what is going to happen to him. And if I'm there in the prison cell, not knowing what's gonna happen, and it's because I've been obedient to God, my tendency is gonna be to complain. Like, God, I, I've been faithful, I'm doing what you want me to do, here I am in this nasty prison cell, this food's not very good, uh, it smells really bad, I don't want to be here, and I'm obeying you and this is what I get. But Paul was different. Paul and Silas in the prison cell Notice what it says next. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, in your notes, I want you to circle that phrase that says, to God. Because their worship, their prayers, their singing was directed back to God. They were singing and praying hymns to God. They were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Now, the first thing that we can see in this story is that my singing, your singing, brings power. It helps us connect to the heart of God. My singing can connect my heart to God. When you sing, something happens. When you sing about God and who he is and what he's done, that even in the darkest moments of your life, it can connect you back to the heart of God. There's something when you hear words that speak of his character, that speak of his faithfulness into your circumstances, that we don't let circumstances to tell us what God is like. We actually interpret our circumstances through the filter of who God is. And when I lift God high in worship and I praise him for who he is, suddenly my problem that is in front of me shrinks. Suddenly it's right sized next to God. So about midnight in the prison cell, Paul and Silas are praying and singing their hymns to God. In the middle of the darkness you can sing to God. In the middle of your worry, in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your uncertainty, when there is trouble in our world that we don't know how it's going to end, I, you, can praise and direct your lips, your singing back to God and declare who he is. And there's so many songs that throughout my life that I just have found so much deep meaning in, that when a song comes on the radio or it comes up on the playlist, that all of a sudden my heart is drawn back into worship. One of these songs came off of a playlist I created during COVID. It was called my COVID-19 worship playlist. And I get a little bit of trauma every time I see that title. But the songs on there are good. And one of the songs, I would go out for runs and I would turn on this playlist. And as the church physically was closed down for a period of time and as we don't know what's gonna happen in our world and we don't know about the virus, I'm, I would go out and I would sing songs to God to remind my soul that he's been faithful my whole life and he's gonna continue to be faithful. One of those songs is called Cornerstone. And these words, they would, they would fill my heart with a kind of joy again. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord. He is Lord of all. And when you hear those words, some of you are in the storm. He's the Lord in the storm. He's in the prison cell with you right now in this moment. And you can sing to him, and that singing has a way of elevating your perspective. It has a way of shifting your heart, and it has a way of bringing you back to center to connect with God. All throughout the Bible, so many songs that tell us how do we sing to God. Psalm 100, verse one says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Now how can I worship God with gladness when my circumstances are not aligned with very good things? And what the psalmist is saying is that it's about God's, God's character and his nature. There's a verse in the New Testament that says, rejoice in the Lord always. It's not in my circumstances that I'm rejoicing, so my joy is coming from who God is. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Enter 
into his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. The psalmist is saying, first of all, when you sing, you can sing with joy. So sing to God with a kind of joy that comes from the gladness that exists because of who he is and what he's done. And there's a place right now where there's no more crying, there's no more tears, there's no more suffering. The Bible tells us that in heaven all pain is gone. And in that moment of complete joy in God's presence, the angels and the saints are around the throne of God singing with joy because of who he is. And that joy from heaven can be brought into my circumstances, not based on my circumstances, but based on who God is. I can sing with joy. I can sing to God with reverence. And what that means is I'm, I'm recognizing that when I come to God, I'm, I'm, I'm not just singing another music song that's just on the radio. When I come to sing a song, I'm coming before the throne of the living God. And in my midst, when, when, when we're worshiping and singing songs in church, it says that God inhabits the praise of his people. So as those songs are elevating in a room and being sung, the presence of God is coming, so there should be a sense of reverence that we're not singing to a band that's doing a performance on a stage. We're not, we're not singing so that we can make some demonstration so people around us think we're spiritual. We're singing to the creator of the universe that, that breathed us into existence, that if he took his hand off of us, in a moment everything would, would, would evaporate. He's the God that sustains the universe. So there's a reverence that should come when I sing to him. I sing with joy, I sing with reverence, and I sing to God with gratitude. So that means coming before God and just thanking him. What's he done in your life? What are the good things that God has done in your life? And one way to ask this question would be if today what's in your life was only what you thank God for yesterday, what would remain in your life today? And what if, I like that question by the way, nobody seemed to, you guys like that question? That's good, let me repeat it, because maybe it was too fast. Okay, if what remained in your life today were only what you thank God for yesterday, what would be in your life today? And when we thank God for what he's done, it just helps us see, thank you God, thank you for my marriage, thank you for my kids, thank you for my job, thank you for the time you brought me through, thank you for the strength that you've given to me when I've been weak, thank you for healing me, thank you for forgiving me, thank you for putting your spirit inside of me, and that thanking causes my heart to be pointed back to God. Now singing connects my heart to God, but singing also, when I'm doing it this way, it shifts the atmosphere, it changes the room, it changes the way I feel, it changes, it changes the environment. So singing from the scripture, we're commanded to sing in such a way, and that singing is shifting the atmosphere. Singing can shift the environment. My singing changes what's around me. Notice in verse 25, as Paul is singing, it says he's praying and singing hymns to God, and other prisoners were listening to them. So as they're singing, those around them are seeing what Paul and Silas are doing, and they're changing what's happening in the prison. They're changing what's happening in their hearts. Singing can shift my heart. 
So when I sing songs, there have been moments where I'm frustrated, I'm not grateful, I've got a lot of problems, and I'll, I'll put a song on that reminds me of who God is or what he's done in my life, and it shifts me back to his heart, and it shifts my heart back to a perspective that is God-honoring. As Colossians 3.16 says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. It changes my heart when I sing to God. The other thing that singing does is it shifts the room. So sometimes when we sing songs, there's, there's a subtle change in the room that you begin to feel. Because when your faith combines with my faith and we come together, there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus heals a man because the faith of the people that were in the room. So the faith that's in the room impacts the environment. So when I sing songs to God, it changes the room. I was in a service last week and I was watching this man, he was probably in his 80s and he's singing and he's got his hands lifted up and I can see tears coming down his face and I thought, oh, the power of a grandfather that loves Jesus, the power of a dad that is willing to sing songs to God. Think about King David in the Old Testament, the power of a leader that brought the presence of God back to Israel and the scripture says that he was undone before God. So happy to have the presence of God back at the center of everything. And when you sing to God who he is and what he's like, it changes the room. It shifts the atmosphere. A couple of songs that I think about. Uh, one song says, what a beautiful name it is. These are the words. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory, Jesus. You, for you are raised to life again. You have no rival and you have no equal. I'm not singing these, by the way, because I want you to come back to church next week, so I'm just reading them with passion. And now and forever you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. And those words, they elevate the room, they change, they shift the atmosphere. Maybe you've had that happen. You're in a room and somehow something begins to shift in the room. Now it happens in church, it happens outside of church. I was dialoguing with um, our campus pastor in Buenos Aires and there was this big cup, this, this soccer, we call it soccer, call it football, rightfully so, um, overseas, and there was this big cup happening, the tournament, and it was Brazil against Argentina, or a team from Brazil against a team from Argentina. And at the game, right before the game starts, the national anthem comes on, and everybody goes quiet. Conversations are happening, and all of a sudden, when that national anthem comes, the room shifts. Shifts for the Argentinians, shifts for the Brazilians. It happens here, too. If you're at a sports game in the United States, it's interesting how everything stops. And I think rightfully so, to show honor and gratitude that here in the United States we have a kind of freedom. And I'm, I love our country, I'm, I'm so grateful. I also love Argentina and I also love these other countries that God cares so deeply about. And what can happen is that if the anthem in my heart for my country moves me more than the anthem of praise for who God is, and what he's done, there's something wrong. I'm attached to the wrong kingdom. 
Jesus came to build an eternal kingdom of every nation, tribe, and tongue that represents his diversity across planet Earth, his desire for every tribe to know him. And around the throne of God, these songs that are being sung are being sung by this great, globally diverse audience all focused on Jesus. It shifts the room when we do it this way, when we see and we hear these words. Another song, King of Kings. I love this. And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born and then the spirit lit the flame. And now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Don't you love those words? There's power in your playlist. There's power in the words. They shift the atmosphere. Ephesians 5.19 says to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. And when we sing like this, it shifts the atmosphere. I have a thermostat in my house, and that thermostat, you can adjust it digitally. It's apparently smart. It's a smart thermostat. And it notifies me of adjustments that are made. So I'm overseas a couple weeks ago, and on my phone I'm getting notifications about the house being turned down, the temperature being turned down to 54 degrees. And that's Fahrenheit. And I'm like, okay, uh, who did this? So nobody wants to take credit for it. But I do have a 17 and a 15-year-old that both were at home at the time, so somehow it happened. I don't know who, but the environment shifted. Now that thermostat shifts the room. A lot of us, though, we live like thermometers. Thermometer reads the temperature. A thermostat shifts the room. I wanna encourage you to change the temperature with your singing to God. Now, again, I, I know that there are a lot of you you're here and you're exploring faith and singing a song to a God that you don't know or don't believe in, it, it would be disingenuous. And we would never ask that of you. I would never ask you to sing the anthem of another team or another country, because that's not your team. But our hope is that when you hear these songs sung in a room, that somehow it touches your heart, that you begin to understand who God is and what God's like. And I have a deep conviction, we have a team here that writes some of the songs that we sing. I have a deep conviction that people that write songs should have to have the same amount of training that those who deliver sermons should, right? Because those words are shaping what you carry with you through the rest of the week. Those words are powerful when they come through a song. They change your life, they change the atmosphere, they change families. And then the third thing is that those songs and my singing has the power to break chains and open prison doors. So in this story, as Paul and Silas are singing, God starts to move. God starts to hear their praise. God starts to tap that big giant foot of his. And he shows us that our singing partners up with his power and our singing can break chains and open prison doors. In verse 26, it says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation 
of the prison was shaken. I want you to circle that word that says suddenly. Is it a coincidence that at that moment, at that moment the earthquake begins to move in the environment and the foundation is shaking? See, prison did not shake the foundation of Paul and Silas' faith. What happened was their faith shook the foundation of the prison. And as they start singing, God starts tapping his foot to their song. And as God is tapping that big foot of his, the scripture says that at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now notice, everyone's chains are coming loose in this story. And the jailer is woken up, so he's, he comes to, to it. And as he looks around, he's coming to, to, to life and seeing here are these people that are singing and here's this song and now there's this earthquake and it says when he woke up, he saw that the prison doors were open and he drew his sword. He's about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. It would have mean a death sentence for him on his watch if these prisoners escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. We haven't left yet. We're gonna leave, but we haven't yet. We're still here. And Paul sees in that moment an opportunity. Paul sees that this is way more than just a casual earthquake. This is God at work opening prison doors. And when you sing, you partner with God. Your song has a way of moving things in the spiritual realms. That when you sing, there are, there are chains that begin to be loosened. That when you sing praise over your life, if the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. And when you sing these songs, it, it reminds your soul, perhaps, of what you already know to be true, but perhaps it's a part of paving the path for you to come out, for you to step into the fullness of the life that God has created you to live. And there are some of you today, you're in deep bondage, bondage to fear, bondage to anxiety, bondage over some habit that's been in your life for years that you've not yet given back to God. And the invitation today is through song, through joining up with deep spiritual truths of who God is and what he's like as the Holy Spirit works through your singing, the invitation is to step into the freedom that God has for you, that he's designed you for. Oh, if you wanna see people sing knowing they're set free, you should come to CR to celebrate recovery. This last summer, there was a summit our church, and there were CR leaders from all over the world that came and joined, and man, if, you, if you've ever been in the room for worship through song, when Celebrate Recovery is together, it's something else, because it's a group of people that knows they've been set free. They know they've been set free by the grace of God. Their freedom that they have is not something that they earned. Their freedom is something that God has given to them, and he's shifted the course of their life and oh how when you come into the presence of God and you think about the changes that have happened in your life and you, you think about how he set you free, it brings your soul to want to say thank you God. I've got a bracelet they gave me at the conference and it says free indeed. And when I, when I look at it, it reminds my soul I'm free, I'm free indeed. There's some of you today, today's going to be your day of freedom. It's going to be the day that you walk out of your prison of fear and anxiety worry, depression, that you step forward. Some of us, it might be a process, but there's that step forward into the freedom that God's inviting us to. And fourth and finally, I wanna finish on this. My singing 
can change a generation. I believe this. I believe with all my heart that when you sing, you're influencing the lives of other people. Again, some of you, you, you've come to faith at Saddleback. Your life's been radically changed. But when you came here, like many who come now, you weren't a follower of Jesus. But when you came in the room and you noticed other people singing these songs, there's, there's something that began to happen in your heart. And I would say to you, if you are a follower of Jesus, I would say to you that your worship has the power to change those around you. That when they see you encountering the living God, they see you worshiping him, they're noticing like the jailer, they're seeing and something is changing in their life. If you're not a follower of Jesus, today as you look around the room when we sing, let the songs of other people influence you. Let the songs that are being sung, these words, impact the way that you think and perhaps contemplate, is this God real? Is he true? And if he is, to say, God, I wanna know you. I wanna, I wanna experience your presence in my life. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, your singing has the power to change people's lives. And I wanna finish with these few verses from Acts 16. It says the jailer, he calls for the lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, sir, what must we do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul said to that very important question, and this is the question for some of you today, you're contemplating, what does it take for me to experience God's salvation in my life? I know my life is not right. I know I need rescuing. And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Believe in the one who died on the cross for your sins. Believe in the one who conquered the grave and you will be saved. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all others in his house and at that hour, of the night, in the middle of the night, the jailer took them home, washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. And they declared publicly their faith in Jesus. So they decided, and immediately they went public with their faith in Jesus. And it says the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his entire household in a moment were changed. Paul and Silas sang when I would have complained, prison doors flew open, the jailer, he receives faith in Jesus and his whole household is changed. And I have a deep conviction that right now in our world, what the world needs and what even a younger generation is looking for is not some apathetic, some reserved kind of pulling back version of faith. They're looking for an all in, all surrendered, wholehearted worship of the creator. And when you come before God as a follower of Jesus and you worship him with your whole heart, with the passion that's due, I wanna encourage you, for some of you, this might be the day that you step into a different kind of singing to God, a kind of singing that comes as a prisoner that's been set free, the kind of singing that comes as you contemplate what your life would have been like without God, the kind of singing that comes from gratitude for what God's gonna do in the future because he's been so faithful in the past. Today I wanna invite you, encourage you, challenge you if you're a follower of Jesus to sing in just a moment as we go into song with your whole heart because your singing can influence an entire generation. Your singing can impact your kids 
and your grandkids. Your singing can change neighborhoods, and if a neighborhood can be changed, a community can be changed, and if a community can be changed, a whole region can be impacted, and the whole world can be changed. There was a revival that broke out, a Welsh revival, and that Welsh revival, at the revival, the only thing that they did was sing. They would sing these songs of God's presence, and some of you said, I'd like that. I'd like shorter sermons and just more singing. But in that Welsh revival, as they would sing, the presence of God would fall. And one person who was singing to God would influence one whose marriage was falling apart and one who was thinking about taking their life. And there was this sense in which God inhabited the praises of his people. So when we sing, the Bible says that God inhabits our song. And there's some of you today, this is your day to step into relationship with God some of you, this is your day to step into freedom with your whole heart and surrender all that you are to step out of that prison that you're in. And there are some of you today that this is your day, like the jailer who went public with his faith in Jesus in the moment, today's your day to do it and get baptized. Now in the room here, there's, there's two pools, and these pools are here waiting for you to take your step of obedience to go public with your faith in Jesus. Baptism is a symbol of worship, really. It's a symbol of an old way of life that when a person goes down in the water, that old way of life is passing away. And when they come up, it's representing a new life that that person has as a follower of Jesus. So when a person or you get baptized, it doesn't make you a Christian. Like a wedding ring, it symbolizes a decision that you've already made. And there are some of you, you've already made the decision or you're making it now and you've not let those around you know that you're a follower of Jesus. You didn't come here today thinking about this or even prepared for it, but we did. And we knew that God would stir inside of your heart today, many of you to take the step to go public with your faith in Jesus through baptism. Now, here's how we prepared for you. Got some folks at the back, they've got some signs. You guys can just hold them up. It says, get baptized today. And they're gonna be waiting for you throughout these songs that you can go towards those signs. They'll tell you what to do, where to go. But when you go, it's good to know that we've got everything that you need to take the step to get baptized. We've got shorts. We've got T-shirts. We've got towels. We've got clean underwear for you. Some of you have been looking for some clean underwear. Here's your chance, baby. And... And you can take that step today to go public with your faith in Jesus, to let him know that you've made a decision to follow him. So might I be so bold right now in this moment if you will lock eyes with me. As you take that step, some of you have been contemplating the decision to go public with your faith in Jesus for years. And you've seen other people do it, but you've never taken that step. I wanna encourage you to be bold and courageous Yesterday, there was a guy that was getting baptized. His daughter had flown in for the baptism to be a part of it. And as she's there to celebrate with her dad, she gets pulled in by the Spirit of God and compelled to be baptized. And she takes the step. Her dad baptizes her after he gets baptized. It was beautiful. And that's gonna happen right now. There's some of you. God is stirring in your heart to be obedient to that decision to go public with your faith in Jesus. I want to invite you to stand with me right now. And as we stand, I'm going to pray over you. We're going to go into a moment of singing. And I want to invite you 
If you're, fo- if you're not a follower of Jesus, just, just experience it and listen to the words. But if you're a follower of Jesus, would you worship God through your singing today with your whole heart to declare your gratitude, to say, I'm thankful for who you are and what you've done. So I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, when I say amen, I want to invite those of you that God's stern in your heart, slip to the back. The team will be waiting for you. They'll give you all that you need to take that step. And then right now in the worship, we're going to, as we're singing, they're going to be baptisms. And y'all, we, we need to show a whole lot of love, like some big Saddleback family love, putting our hands together, celebrating and welcoming these people. The Bible says that when one person comes to repentance, that there are angels in heaven that are rejoicing. So let's rejoice in a way that the angels in heaven hear our rejoicing today as people take the step to get baptized. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you today for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done on all of our campuses this weekend and those lives that you're changing, people that are saying yes to you, putting their trust in you, following you, going public with their faith in you. And now as we sing, help us sing with our whole heart. Now as those get baptized, help us rejoice and celebrate with them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app to see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.